multiple sources told The Athletic that former Jaguars coach Urban Meyer was unfamiliar with star players around the NFL, including Debo Samuel, Jamal Adams, Aaron Donald. Who's this 99 guy on the Rams? I'm hearing he might be a problem for us. All right. You want my honest reaction to that? And I am not here to defend Urban Meyer. He was a disaster with the Jags. It seems like he treated people terribly. It is impossible for me to believe, though, he didn't know who Aaron Donald was. I think that is an accurate quote. And he was saying it like this, like sarcastically, like, oh, so who's 99 on the Rams? Guy could be a problem for us. And his colleagues and fellow coaches hated him so much (laughs) that they're leaking this as like, oh, I'm not misquoting you, buddy. Now, it might be a bigger indictment that he was that that disliked, but I do not believe that Urban Meyer was unaware of who Aaron Donald was. When he coached, he was coaching in college football when Aaron Donald was wrecking people at Pitt. I don't believe that to be true. I think it's misleading. I'm not calling it fake news, but I think it's misleading. Welcome in What's Right with Nick Wright podcast, YouTube show, episode number three. First week, I think, couldn't have gone any better. If you're new to the show, we my family's involved. There's a clock involved. There's a team of producers that when they're not sending out complimentary tweets about other podcasts, they're actively working against me. But before we even get to any of the show, or before I introduce my co-host, who's also my son, Namanze, First, let's get to what we are not discussing today. What is not on the show today is Chet Holmgren. Oh, but there are going to be some Chet Holmgren takes coming up around NBA draft time. Robert Woods, who has changed teams on the show. And Coach K, who survived Michigan State. Also not on the show, but we will get to the tournament. But now I turn about 40 degrees to my right. To you, Demonze, my son. Demonze, if you're new to the audience, there you go. That's the only introduction they need. Uh, what are we starting with today? So Deshaun Watson was traded to Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, most guaranteed money in NFL history. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland claims that they did their homework, but the lawyer representing the tw- 22 accusers say that they never spoke. Yep. How can anybody root for this team? Okay. So we're going to start the show off in a heavy place because it is the biggest news in the sports world over the last few days. And let me directly answer the question. People will be able to root for the Browns because people compartmentalize. And by the way, I'm not going to judge them for that. I, there's, you know, there is the whole idea of separate the art from the artist. People have been doing that in music and in movies for a very long time. Like you're allowed to, you know, think Rosemary's Baby is one of the greatest movies ever made, even if you feel like the Roman Polanski was a really bad guy. People are allowed to you know, love thriller, even if they have major questions about things Michael Jackson did or didn't do. And hey, I, I root for the Kansas City Chiefs. And we know Tyree Kill years ago in college did some pretty awful things. And there are some pretty damning allegations about things he did much more recently. So I am, I'm, not, I, I'm not judging Brown's fans. And I think we compartmentalize. I think if you don't compartmentalize, it's very hard to be a sports fan. With that said... I feel disgusting about how this whole thing played out. So I understand that Deshaun Watson was not indicted by the grand jury. 
I also understand this. If you read the lawsuits, if you follow this story, even more damning than any of the lawsuits, if you read the Sports Illustrated article from an accuser who is not included in the lawsuit, so not suing Deshaun, not after any, no financial windfall, no benefit seemingly whatsoever, and her story lines up with the nearly two dozen other women who have made allegations against Deshaun, it is for me personally impossible for me to believe that Deshaun Watson is being framed, that it is a multi-person, multi-state conspiracy. I believe Deshaun Watson did a lot of, if not all of, he's alleged to have done. So I'm going to say it on the front end. So that in and of itself makes you feel really gross about this whole situation. I'm going to say something else. I think Deshaun Watson benefited from the fact that his specific allegations are so uncomfortable to discuss. You can't really talk about them in polite company. I, for the better part of a year, did not find a way to talk about them on television. I think he would this it would not have ended up going so well for him as it did, and we'll get to how well it went for him in just a moment, if he had been accused of hitting 22 women. Because you can talk about that on TV. But because his allegations are so purient and weird and it's just hard to do on television, I think that the Browns knew they were going to skate on at least some of the media coverage. So I think all of that played into it, right? But one of the reasons I feel so weird about this whole thing is because he ended up a huge winner. The most guaranteed money in NFL history, and the Browns went out of their way to make sure if he's suspended this year, his salary is only $1 million bucks. So the money he would lose on the suspension is minimal. He'll get his money in roster bonus, signing bonus, all of that. But then on top of all of it, the two things I find most galling are the Browns claiming they did their due diligence. And as DeMonze said, you don't even call Tony Busby. Now, again, even if you're not going to listen to Tony Busby, even if it was all about Deshaun, the football player, fine. At least call him so you can say you called him. But the oddly, the part that I think is the most galling was the quote about Baker to Chris Mortensen from a high-ranking Browns, either executive or someone in the front office, that we want an adult in the room. Because what that is saying is, we think Baker, the person, is not up to our standards. But Deshaun Watson is. Okay. that's Okay. Like, that's the path you're walking down. And I'm going to say this, and then we'll move on. It went a little longer here than we needed to, or than we probably should have, but it's an important topic. I once upon a time had a relationship with Deshaun. I know his agent incredibly well. And I guess, you know, in the, in the world of agents, he did a great job with the contract, I guess is how, if you want to view it through that prism, I've, I've spent a night at a club having drinks with Deshaun Watson. I was as shocked as anyone when these allegations came out. I did not want to believe them. If you don't know, I used to live in Houston. I was there when they, I, like, I, I was never friends with Deshaun, but I knew Deshaun. So I didn't want to believe this, but it is to me impossible to follow this story and not believe it. And now we know that the penalty he's paying is nothing. $230 million, all guaranteed, and even if the league suspends him for a full year, 
that 230 million becomes 229 million. So it all worked out for him. It has not appeared to work out for the nearly two dozen women who have accused him of some really, really awful things. Okay, we will now try to do a more normal rest of the show. Demonze, what's next? Let's stay in Cleveland. Yeah. LeBron was there Monday night. We are doing this before tip-off. Yep. Um, Obviously, things in L.A. are really bad. Yep. uh, But he keeps breaking records, but they keep losing. Yep. Uh, Do you think he plays for the Cavs again? And if so, when? I don't think he plays for the Cavs. I understand he opened the door to that. I would be shocked if LeBron plays anywhere other than the Lakers next year. And then after that, it's probably going to be tied to where he has the best chance to win if he does want to leave L.A. I think he and Anthony Davis can still work. And then long, long term, we're talking about years down the road, probably is tied to if and when Bronny comes into the league. So I know he flirted with the idea of playing with Cleveland again. I don't think that will happen. I do think, though, we are in, because the Lakers have been so bad, we are missing the forest for the trees on this LeBron season. Uh, because this weekend, he passed Carl Malone for number two on the all-time scoring list. He got, you know, momentarily quiet applause, and then they just moved on, and the Lakers blew the game. Here's what I know about what LeBron is doing this year and the importance of it. As he, you know, as we record this right before the Cavs game tonight, he is tied to the tenth of a point for the scoring lead with Giannis and Embiid, all three guys at 29.8 and a few hundreds. What I know is that when it's all said and done, there's an NBA record book, and then there's the non-Wilt NBA record book, because Wilt has all the single game stuff. Wilt had a 55-rebound game. Wilt had a 100-point game. Wilt had like a dozen 70-point games. So for any individual records, individual game, you almost have to set Wilt aside. LeBron is going to do the exact same thing for the regular record book. There is going to be the non-LeBron record book because nobody else is in the 10,000-10,000 club. He's in the 10,000-10,000-10,000 club. Nobody else other than Kareem has more than 37,000 points. LeBron's going to get over 40,000 points. And maybe most notably, and this is why this year is so important, LeBron, in 35 years, when people are showing playoff accomplishments, you're going to have to do the non-LeBron record book. He has minutes, points, steals, assists, all of it. But he also is going to be the guy, whenever there's a great teenager that comes into the league, They will be the youngest to do X, Y, and Z since LeBron. And now because of this season, whenever there is a great old guy season, it will be the best old season for anyone since LeBron. So if one guy has all the youngest guy records, all the playoff records, and all the old guy records, some people would say there's a name for that, the greatest player to ever live. But I guess, you know, we'll let history judge that. All right, we got to get to the tournament. What are we talking about now? Let's talk some tournament. Yep. Uh, Michigan is back in the Sweet 16. Yes. Juwan Howard had an awesome moment with the Tennessee player after the game. Yep. People immediately brought up the fight with the Wisconsin coach. What should we be focused on here? We should obviously be focused on the hug. First of all, Juwan Howard, first-team All-American hugger. No, there's no question. His hug with the Tennessee player was legitimately, like, almost tear-jerking. He had a great hug with Jalen Rose after the game. Just a great hugger. And the fact that people were bringing up the fact that he tried to mush face that Wisconsin coach, pardon my language here, but I didn't then and I don't now, I don't give a shit that Juwan Howard shoved that guy in the face or tried to grab his face. Sports 
Sports are... Violence in sports is not like violence in real life. Like, there, it's not like, oh, yeah, if you were at IBM and you did that, he's not at IBM. They're, they're yelling, they're sweating, they're cursing. So Jawan Howard should not have had his moment at all dampered because a month ago he had a tough moment with the Wisconsin coach. Now, we're right now out of time, but we're going to keep going because there's another tournament take that we must get to. So even though the clock, if you're watching us on YouTube, even though the clock says we're out of time, Demonze, we, we're not going to get to bonus time, but we are going to get to one more thing. Go we're ahead. staying on the tournament. Yep. And it was an amazing weekend of hoops. Yep. But I know you got something you want to complain about, so let's just get that out of the way. Okay. Listen, everyone's complaining about the officiating. And I am going to join them, but only in part. Listen, it, is the officiating in college basketball awful? Of course. It's always awful. Like, if people didn't see the end of the Arizona TCU game in overtime, it, uh, throughout the weekend – officiating's been terrible, okay? And the Baylor-UNC game, ejecting uh, Brady Manick for the elbow was insane, letting Baylor... But I'm not going to complain about incompetence in officiating. I am going to complain about what I would consider to be intentional uh, malfeasance in officiating. And that happened for the kid that got the technical for hanging on the rim. Everyone's watching the game. Houston, Illinois. I, Houston probably wins anyway. But if you is, haven't seen it, you can see it anywhere. The guy's on a fast break dunk. Dunks. His is, is, is momentum carries him past the basket. And he has to hold on or else he's going to fall back. And the referee immediately teed him up. So I have a few very spicy takes on this that I want to get your perspective on it in a moment, Demaze. First spicy take. A lot of these techs in basketball... I can't prove it, and people are going to get mad at me. They've always felt a little, let's call them just tinged with a little racial component. All of the taunting and the, oh, this is not allowed. Play the game the right way. And it's always, and some of the refs, and by the way, I don't just feel that way about the taunting and the hanging on the rim stuff. I also feel like some refs very eagerly call charge calls. Like when a guy is sweeping down the rim for a lane for a dunk and some guy, usually a little less athletic, usually a little shorter, comes slides over, how excited they are. It's always just, I can't prove it, but similar similar to some of the excessive celebration penalties you see in college football, I'm like, hmm, I'd like to see your Facebook history, sir. But more importantly, <laughs> the, the, the hanging on the rim should not be against the rules. It flatly shouldn't be. But it certainly... Shouldn't be against the rules if it prevents injury. And that now brings me to you. What was the only technical foul you got in high school basketball? Uh, that, that exact play. Um, was running down, fast break, dunk, tried to get my momentum, and, you know, came back, and the ref called a tech on me. Called know? a tech. It's a personal foul. It's two free throws. It's a big deal in high school basketball. You get a technical foul. I think foul. we still won that game. Though. I think you guys did still win the game. I was... And I was not a yell at the refs guy. I followed that ref out of the building. <laughs> this was not a great moment for me, and I'll wrap it up. But I, I felt like he was putting your safety in jeopardy. Yeah. That if you have to worry that if I have to let go immediately, you absolutely could fall back on your head. So the hang on the rim technical should be blasted into the sun, just like this segment, because it went about eight minutes too, ro- too long. We'll be right back. I just think those refs have never dunked in their lives. That's, That's my right. take on the That's situation. Right. <laughs> 
What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Welcome back in What's Right with Nick Wright podcast, YouTube show, episode number three. We went long in that first segment. We are now three for three on me blowing through this clock that we've set up just so I don't go long in the first segment. Episode four, we're going to be better. I just know it. In the meantime, however, while we think about that, let's play a game. Today's game is two wrongs and one right. Demonze, lead us off. What's the first topic? This season, Baker Mayfield will be a relevant starter, a backup. It's that guy in the commercials. Oh, he's going to be a relevant starter. Like, listen, Baker's not great. Don't get me wrong, but I can think of a minimum, minimum, of 10 teams that, if they're being honest, would be better with Baker this year than their current starter. Those teams are the New York Giants, without a doubt. So the New York Giants have Daniel Jones. The Pittsburgh Steelers currently have Mitch Trubisky. I want to talk more about those two teams in a moment because I feel like I'm the only person talking about Baker going to those two teams. But then after that, the Seahawks, it's it's Drew Locke. I've seen Drew Locke. He's been terrible forever. And then we we can keep going. Detroit, clearly, with Jared Goff, would be better with Baker. Carolina's got Sam Darnold. They'd be better with Baker. Miami has Tua. They'd be better than Baker. And then I know they won't trade for Baker, but Washington would be better with Baker than with Carson Wentz. And I'd say New England. And remember, there was rumors about New England drafting Baker back the year he came out. Baker's better than Mac Jones. I'm not even including Houston with Davis Mills, because I'll be honest, Davis Mills showed me a little something. I'm a little... If I were Houston, we're going to stink anyway. I'd be interested to watch how Davis Mills plays. On New York and on Pittsburgh quickly. People are like, ah, Baker can't handle the New York media. I disagree. And the example I will use is Julius Randle last year. So is Julius Randle one of the 10 greatest Knicks ever? No. Is he one of the 15 greatest Knicks ever? No. Is he one of the 25 greatest New York Knicks ever? I'd have to make the list. I'm going to go ahead and say no. I think he's probably like the 28th best Nick ever. But last year, he was treated like a conquering hero by this mean, awful New York media. You know why? Because if you've been starving for the better part of a decade, a a cheeseburger looks like filet mignon to you. That's what Baker would be for the Giants quarterback situation. They've been so bad since Eli fell off that he would be 
just a, a, an oasis in the desert. And for Pittsburgh, oh, Nick, the Browns would never trade him within the division. Why not? Why wouldn't they? Just tell, are you not allowed? You, the Browns think he stinks. The Browns would rather deal with all the Deshaun Watson stuff, that contract, and they would say, Baker's not an adult. So don't you want your divisional rival to have to deal with that child? So I would love to see him with the Giants or with the Steelers. All right, what's next? This season, the Rams will repeat yep. of a Super Bowl hangover yep. or lose to Tom Brady just like everybody else. Okay. If I'm, if, if, I think Tom Brady, I'm still holding out hope for my prediction to be correct, that Tom Brady's going to go to the Niners. If he goes to the Niners, then my answer would be lose Tom Brady like everyone else. But if Tom Brady is actually on the Bucs, then I don't, I, I don't think the Bucs are good enough. So we can scratch that one off. I also don't think they're going to have a Super Bowl hangover with the, in uh, Los Angeles. Super Bowl hangovers is typically for Super Bowl losers. So I'm going to say repeat with an asterisk. I think they are likely to repeat as NFC champions. I don't think they're going to repeat as Super Bowl champions. But I could see them following the same arc Kansas City did. Win the Super Bowl, then get back to the Super Bowl, but lose. So I'm going to say repeat, not really what the question meant, but repeat to get back to the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to win it. What's next? Pick one of these to lose to disappoint in the playoffs. Yep. Sorry. Um, Philly, Boston, or Brooklyn? All right, so Boston is coming on strong, man. I think at last check, they've won 21 of 24. Tatum's obviously playing great. And they also disappoint is an interesting phrase here because nobody actually thinks they're going to make the finals. Boston winning one round would be considered a success. And I didn't think they could win a round back when I thought they were going to have to play Milwaukee or one of the Miami, one of the best teams in round one. But they've won enough now that they might get, like, Cleveland in round one. They could get Toronto in round one. So I'm not going to say Boston. Brooklyn, I, I, again, I think it's about expectations. I think Brooklyn is, you know, it's always next year with Brooklyn. Uh, they signed Katie and Kyrie, but Katie's out. But what about next year? And then last year, it's like, oh, we trade for Harden, but then everyone got hurt. It's next year, but that's this year. And now this year, it's like, oh, Ben Simmons might not actually play this season. And Kyrie, we don't know the rules, so it's about next year. So I actually don't think Brooklyn has a ton of expectations. I'm legit worried about Philly. Philly, they just the other night, Sunday night, if you were watching, Harden has four fourth quarter turnovers. They they're playing DeAndre Jordan ten minutes a game since the trade. I Embiid is slowing just a bit down the stretch, and Philly absolutely needs to make at a minimum the conference finals, if not the NBA finals. For this year to be considered a success, they go out before round three again. It's a massive disappointment, and I wonder if Doc survives it. So even though I've been high on Philly the last couple of years, I think Philly is actually, of those three, the most likely to disappoint because right now they have the highest realistic expectations of any of those teams. And I just hate how they close games. They're so frustrating to bet on. They're so frustrating to root for. They just... They, they, they've been so bad at closing games as before they got hardened. Also, Sunday, they, they scored 37 in the first quarter and scored less than 90 for the game. Scored 37 in the first quarter, scored 88 for the game, which is almost impossible to do. It's not great. So Philly looks real shaky the last couple of weeks. All right, what's next? Which NBA MVP future is the best bet? Oh, okay. Now you're talking my language. <laughs> Embiid at minus 200. Yep. Uh, Giannis at plus 900. Yep. 
or Luka at plus 4,500. Listen, you guys know that we talked about this last week that I made the argument for Luka to be MVP. But then Luka did play against the Sixers, didn't play great. The Sixers won. And I'm no none of the actual voters, I don't have a vote, seem to be believing in Luka. I don't think he has enough time left to change their minds. And the Mavs needed to basically win, you know, like 10 of 12 to close the season. That's not likely. So even though you're getting 45 to 1, and even though I think he has a great case for MVP, if you're trying to actually win money, he's not the bet. Having to lay $200 to win $1 or to win $100 with Embiid, I don't love those odds because I think he's fading a bit. And I don't think they even want one of the top two seeds because I don't think they want Brooklyn in round one. You know, if Brooklyn's going to be the seven or the eight, assuming they make it out of the play-in. Giannis is a sneaky great bet. You get nine to one. He has arguably the best numbers of anyone in basketball. Jokic is tailed off. If Embiid sits or falters, all of a sudden, I think there might be a moment where it's like, hey, guys, you know how Giannis, like, in the last games that actually mattered, he scored 50 and is the defending finals MVP, and his team might end up being the two seed in the East, and he's averaging 30, 11, and 6, and he's arguably the best defensive player in basketball. Maybe he should, maybe we should not overthink this. We should just give the best player in the league on the defending champs who has crazy numbers. Maybe we should just give him the MVP. I could absolutely see that happening. And so I think Giannis at nine to one is really, really good value. Uh, and I think he has a great chance of winning it. All right, what's last? Who had the craziest slash irresponsible weekend? Oh, okay. You, me, or the students at St. Peter's? Okay. Well, the students at St. Peter's, I'm not going to call what they did irresponsible. They, listen, these kids, their their school. It's got an enrollment, uh, you know, smaller than the high school you went to, and they, they're in the Sweet 16. I mean, they're knocking off Kentucky. They're, it's a great story. They're fine. This guy, on the other hand, you know, I mean, Friday night, I go out. I'll talk about my weekend in a moment. Come back home. This guy's not home. Mid of the day, he's, not, he's still not home. I'm like, is he a proof of life? Is he alive? And I'm not, listen, I'm not going to try to blow your spot up, pal. I, you're young. You, you just, you got paid. You know, you got this new job. You went out there. You enjoyed yourself. You had a nice time. Uh, you know, w- where you stayed, you know, had you, had you met the person before? Who's to say? Will you ever see them again? Who's to say? These are the types of things that are not my business. So, hey, listen, it, it, to be young and single and, you know, all of a sudden in your mind wealthy, I get it. <laughs> I'm going to say... The most irresponsible weekend was had by me. I'm a 37-year-old father of three. And I, that is Alex Curry, my wife, Danielle Truitt, who is the star of Law & Order, Organized Crime, and Joy Taylor. You guys know Alex and Joy from FS1. You guys know my wife, of course. That was taken, that picture was taken at about 11.45. I was out for another five hours. I got home at 4.58 a.m. Saturday morning. Now, I didn't drive. I was safe, of course. But I got no business being out in these streets till 5 in the morning. I'm a grown-ass man. I don't need to be in this club. I'm there with my wife. This guy couldn't believe it. It was was embarrassed for me. 
I, the, so I'm going to go ahead and say I had the more irresponsible weekend. I'm going to give you a chance to fire back, and then we have to move on. D- does it make you, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, judge me when you found out I was out till almost 5 in the morning? I was really surprised to see that between the two of us, you were home before me. I mean, after I was home before you. You were not home before me. You were at that girl's house before me. You never I, came home. Yeah, who's to say that? I mean, I, 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 I who's to say you were asleep before me? I was me. where I was going to be sleeping before you were at where you were going to be sleeping. Okay, that's well done. Okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, welcome back in What's Right with Nick Wright podcast, YouTube show, like, subscribe, rate, review. I haven't told you yet to do that once this entire show. We got to stay in that iTunes top 10 the, on Spotify, the damn Ringer F1 race car show is overtaking us. We got to do better. So please like, subscribe, rate, review, all those things. I'm also going to tell you that in a recorded message in just a moment. But this is a live, passionate plea from your guy, Nick Wright. And if you, if you do that, then I'm going to still have the ability to, outside of the TV show, give you amazing non-sports takes like I'm about to deliver right now. Demonze, set it up, please. You keep wanting to use the end of the show to whine about technological advancements. Yes. So we created a new segment. Oh, okay. What's it called? If this is right, I want to be wrong. Yeah. You have the floor. Okay. So we already talked about QR codes once. Now we're going to talk about this is kind of like a younger man's version of the great Greg Cody from Levitard Show back in my day. But I'm only 37 years old. I'm old enough to remember when you could buy a video game and just play that son of a bitch. Oh, that ain't the case anymore. And it has ruined the experience. So not that long ago, I got sent to my house. Copy of NBA 2K22. Why did I get sent to my house? Because I'm in it. It's a little humble brag. Not that humble, actually. I'm just in that video game. So I put it in. Fire up the PlayStation. You know... How long I had to wait to see my tweets in that game. Do you know how long I had to wait before I was allowed to play it? Give it a guess. Between the hour and a half, three hours. Yes, it was two and a half hours. Two and a half hours because you can't just put the disc in and play it anymore. No, we have to update the PlayStation. Then we have to update the game. Then we have to download a patch. What <laughs> the F is going on here? But it gets worse because then... I bought, I got for Christmas, Madden. Oh. The, not the download edition, the, the, the game, the disc. It was a Christmas day. I'm like, you know what? Kids are, you know, playing with their toys. I'm going to play Madden. I put it in. You know what it tells me? I'm not allowed to play it. There's not enough room on the PlayStation. What do you mean room? I'm putting the disc in. Nope. Yeah, I have to download the disc to the PlayStation. Why? The why of the disc. There, once upon a time, you just put the game in, you could play it. That's all. You just play the game. And then there was a sweet spot. There was an amazing moment where you could do that, but you also could play each other online. So, like, they brought in the online technology. I'm going to need a few more seconds here, guys. The clock's going to stop. I'm going to need a few more seconds. Because there was an amazing time where it went from you could only play with people who were with you to you could play with the whole world. But it's still everything was on the disc. You're on the disc, you can play within 20 seconds. And then it just, oh, we're going to advance it. Now, hey, guys, guess what? We can update rosters. Oh, that sounds fun. Oh, I have to wait like two minutes for a roster update. Okay, worth it. And then it became, 
Not only, oh, you need to download all the newest maps, and that's going to take an hour and a half. This poor guy gets a Call of Duty, and he, he, you, you... And it got to a point, you know, I'm calling my sister while I'm hosting at the restaurant. Can you update the game yes. before I get home so I can play it when I get there? That happened and was furious with her when she forgot. Yeah, he called from a from a lunch break at the, at the restaurant. Was like, hey, can you put in Call of Duty? Start the download. I'm going to be home in four hours. It should be done then. <laughs> And then a, 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 another thing, one last point. You used to buy a video game, and you know what you got when you bought the video game? The game. Now you're buying a game, and it's really just providing you an opportunity to purchase more things for the game. Like, hey, I have, I bought NBA 2K. I want to use my player. Well, you better either have $400 or be ready for your guy to be trash. Just trash. Not, not just two months to get to an eighty-four. Right. This poor guy is out here. You know what I mean? Building fences for a living, using all of his dispensable income on a jump shot feature. (laughs) What the hell has happened? So, video games. Got to get back to how good they were when I was your age. Very simple. Put the game in. Play the game. Own the game. That's all. Talk to you in a few days. We're super far from that, and you're not getting any closer. No. Ever.